We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. Outside the through door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Bakes it in. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast coming to you Wednesday, June 15th as we are just eight days away from the NBA draft and boy have the fireworks started to go off. Maybe not the fireworks, but the smoke from lighting uh, the fuse for the fireworks is definitely (laughs) definitely happening right now. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, official podcast of SI Thunder and I am your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. Got my co-host Taylor Peterson along with me. You know, Jacob, I was kind of thinking about that. Um, we talked a little bit about this, you and I, uh, about this time last year. And but, like you know, right before the podcast, let the dogs out, uh, so that way I hopefully don't have to get up mid pod and let them out to go to the bathroom and whatnot. And I'm just like looking outside; it's a gorgeous sunset. We have the sun. You know, it's staying light out until like nine o'clock at night. Um, we have we're a week away from the draft. We have all these draft and, and free agency rumors, uh, summer leagues coming up. Where we have, and I guess a good transition is it's officially NBA trade season. So I think the fall still might be my favorite time of the year, but this is a close, close second. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a fun time. You know, we're sitting on pins and needles waiting for every phone buzz, wondering if it's a shams or a woes notification. Mm-hmm. Before we dive into Thunder stuff, Taylor... Our trade came through the wire about an hour ago before we got on the recording. Uh, so I figured we could talk about that for just a second. The Houston Rockets trade Christian Wood to the Dallas Mavericks for pick number 26 in next week's draft. Boban Marjanovic, Trey Burke, uh, Sterling Brown, and I forget the last piece. But basically, a whole bunch of non-rotation players for the Mavs. Marquise with Chris. Marquise Chris. There we go. Uh, for pick 26. Now, this trade cannot officially go through until draft night. Uh, the Stepien role is in play here. Dallas owes a pick to the New York Knicks next year. 
So they cannot trade a pick in back-to-back years. Now, once they make the selection, they can trade the rights to the player. So this trade won't officially go down until the Mavs are off the clock on June 23rd after pick number 26. But Taylor, initial thoughts on Christian Wood to the Mavs. So my initial thoughts, honestly, is, uh, or my initial thought was, I love this for both teams. I think for the Rockets, it's an opportunity, opportunity, uh, or maybe a step in the right direction. I wasn't entirely sure if they were going to do this. For example, they didn't trade Gordon or Wood at the trade deadline. They held out, which led me to believe that maybe they still wanted to like keep Christian Wood around for J- for I almost said Jaden Ivy for uh, Jalen Green <laughs> and, and some of their young players. So it was great to see Houston. I say great. I mean, I could kind of care less as a Thunder fan for being completely honest, but I, I thought it was the right move for Houston to uh, to go ahead and, and move off of Christian Wood, and uh, which is going to, per Tim McMahon, he confirmed this uh, in a recent tweet, saying that's going to clear up space or playing time for Alperner Shingun, as well as the number three pick, which probably is going to be one Apollo or Chet or maybe even Jabari. I mean, that would be unlikely. But still, assuming Apollo is going to be there, um, I think that was the right move. They got a first-round pick in return. They got a bunch of short-term salary. They, they didn't have to, uh, being Houston, they didn't have to uh, take on any big contracts in return. I understand a lot of people saying that they think maybe Christian Wood was worth more, that it doesn't seem like a big haul, but I think we're still getting a little too caught up in uh, Christian Wood's really nice run that he had prior to coming to Houston and getting his big free agency deal. Uh, I'm, not he's a big, also, I'm not a big Christian Wood guy. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not either. And so I, I, the reason I like this for Dallas, though, is I think it's a, a good fit for uh, to, to pair alongside Luca on a pretty cheap contract. He's going to be an expiring this year for like, what is it, $14 million, $12 million, something like that. Uh, that's what I was trying to find here, and I can't remember. That's off the top of my head. But regardless, hey, rim running big, who also can space out and, and hit the three. I, I think he's a good fit for for Dallas uh, on a pretty cheap opportunity. Like I think the number 26 pick in this draft, when you have Luca on your team, um, isn't necessarily going to be a win now kind of guy. Uh, I, I think Christian Wood taking the gamble on him is probably the right choice here for Dallas as well. So like I said, kind of a win-win for both. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All the was, puns. I think it was Jeremy <laughs> Wu who tweeted out afterwards that it had been like a pretty poorly kept secret on, around the league that Dallas was looking to move off the pick. And if they did keep it, it was probably going to be an international draft and stash uh, at the end of the first round. So it sounded like the Mavericks just wanted to get off the pick. Houston gets a chance to bring in another young guy. They get rid of Christian Wood. Um, and yeah, it opens up time in the front court for what we presume as of right now, June 15th, will be Alperin Shengun and Paulo Bancaro. Um, not the most formidable defensive front court in the world, um, but a front court that that's pretty offensively skilled. So that also puts them in a pretty good position next NBA draft, right? Like this kind of makes them worse, at least for the immediate term. Um, this, this upcoming season puts them in a pretty good position, hypothetically at, at this stage of the NBA offseason to, to be in a good position to draft high again in a very talented 2023 draft as well. So a lot of young talent coming in, uh, it coming into Houston, not only this season, but next season as well. Very, very, very true. Um, okay. That's enough for Texas basketball. Let's move on to Oklahoma City, Taylor. Uh, The big thing we are going to dive into today. Now, we have not podcasted since the Thunder traded with the Denver Nuggets, acquired Jermichael Green and a 2027 first-round pick in return for pick 30 in this draft, plus two future seconds. 
Uh, quick note on that trade before uh, we move on. We did talk about that trade on our Monday night call-in, which was a, a blast. We're going to plug that here in just a second. But uh, we didn't talk about it on a podcast yet. Taylor, do you find it interesting at all that that trade hasn't been formally announced by the league yet? 100%, right? Because it's all about timing. And I think in this instance, it, this is probably another trade for a completely different reason <laughs> that, that will probably not uh, officially occur until draft night or draft day. So yeah, I find that very interesting. It's just going to be part the, of a larger trade. Yeah. The Thunder aren't in the same boat as Dallas where they're, um, they have to wait due to the Stepien rule. This trade could go through at any point in time. So why hasn't it been announced? Yet? It's just kind of now there was a very, there was uh, speaking of that, there was an interesting tidbit. I'm not sure if you saw this Jacob in the Woj article that he put out uh, regarding the trade saying that green is expected to opt into his his 8.2 million dollar uh, player option for this year in order for the trade to go through sometime later this month i thought that was interesting phrasing i'm not sure if that means like yeah he's on vacation he'll get to it when he gets back or if it's like hey green we don't want you to opt into this contract until uh, we're officially ready to to move ahead with the trade like you said closer to draft night that that is interesting because i assumed he had already opted in but he has to opt in for it to happen i'm looking it up right now uh his and i'll look player option work. deadline is the 20th so okay. never mind uh, that will be so five on monday yes Good that'll be on monday point. so he's so, got to do it soon and then does the trade officially go through at that point yeah maybe that's all hmm. the hang-up is um interesting nonetheless though Taylor, I just mentioned how we talked about that trade on the call-in app. want to let all of our fans listening know that we have shifted our Twitter spaces from Twitter to the call-in app. Uh, really, just to shoot you guys straight, uh, the app is really cool. It has where you guys can call in just like on a Twitter space and get up and talk with us. It also has uh, a text chat feature. And most importantly, we've got an opportunity to get paid by Colin. So that's why we're shifting over there. I'm not going to pull any punches on this, Taylor. <laughs> uh, I like to I like to keep it straight with the people. So if you guys are interested in joining us on those chats, we would love to have you. Please download the Colin app. You can follow the uncontested. You can follow all of us individually. We will retweet the link after we finish the live stream tonight, so you guys can find that uh, and hang out with us on the Colin app. Also, a few programming notes for the show. Let's start with the thing closest to us right now, Taylor, which is this Friday morning. Uh, I will be on the podcast for a special pod. Uh, I am not sure if any of our co-hosts will be on with me or not, but joining me special guest will be Matt Penny from the Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vicini. Matt is former college player. He is now uh, a grassroots basketball organizer, has seen a lot of these draft prospects more than anybody else. I'm going to pick Matt's brain about the 2022 NBA draft and all the scuttlebutt we are hearing, which will be a really fun pod. So join me Friday morning, Friday night. We will have a call-in show Sunday. We will have a normally scheduled podcast and then the uncontested draft live stream. Third annual one will be live starting 30 minutes before the NBA draft, taking you all the way through the first round and then we will record a post-draft podcast for you. So regardless if you're watching the draft overseas, at home, or you're at a watch party, pull out your phone, open up YouTube, hang out with us as we are breaking down every pick, going through every trade with you guys, discussing 
what all happens on draft night. We'll be bringing on some awesome guests as well. So make plans and join us. It would be awesome. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. I don't think I missed anything. So let's the dive into it. draft contest. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. We also have a mock draft contest. Uh, it's on the mock out app. Uh, it is, you can find it on our social channels. We'll retweet it again tonight. Completely free. You just download the app and you fill out a first round mock for the NBA. You enter it into the uncontested mock draft challenge. It scores points. And if you have the best mock draft and score the most points, we're going to buy you a shirt jersey of whichever Thunder player you want. Maybe it's a guy they draft next Thursday. Maybe it's Shea. Maybe you really want a Veet Krejci <laughs> shirt jersey. We'll buy it for you as a as a prize for winning our mock draft challenge. So make sure you get in on that. Other uh, draft contests coming up as well, so keep your eyes peeled. Taylor, the big thing we're going to dive into today. This morning, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN dropped his latest NBA mock draft. And it is it was filled, juicy. filled with a lot of details. So we are going to go through these details step by step uh, and kind of break down and give our thoughts because I think we both have quite a bit of thoughts. So let's start at the very, very top. Uh, in the notes here, I said Gavoni's mock is putting out more smoke than Snoop Dogg at a Willie Nelson concert. <laughs> All the smoke. Shout out All to Matt Barnes. There you go. Before he even gets into the mock, Gavoni says, quote, the makeup of ESPN's latest 2022 mock draft has also gone through some significant changes. While the big three of Auburn's Jabari Smith, Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren, and Duke's Paulo Bancaro have remained consistent, the order in which those three players are selected remains less than locked as private workouts continue. Taylor, with this note, plus the shifting odds we've seen in Vegas, do we have cause for, I don't want to say concern, but are, are we... concerned. Me and you are pretty big yeah. uh, check guys. Uh, are we needing to readjust who we think the Thunder are going to get at too? I mean, I think so. Although I will say, like, before Gavoni dropped the mock draft this morning or his updated mock draft with Intel, I was feeling more and more maybe cautious about Jabari Smith being like the number one lock. You know, we kept hearing from different, you know, mock, uh, different draft analysts putting in their mock drafts. Well, it, it, we're hearing more and more from league personnel that uh, the Magic are highly considering other prospects here, primarily Chet, and they're going to do their dil- due diligence and then, you know, Jabari may not be a lock, but none of them were willing to make that change, like in their mock draft, for example, putting Chet one overall. So I started to feel more and more like maybe the whole like, oh, Jabari's a lock at number one to Orlando thing maybe wasn't as uh, set in stone as we originally thought. But then Gavoni put this out. And like you said, Jacob, gives a lot of smoke vibes. And it makes me wonder if, if this is maybe the magic trying to keep the interest of other teams mm-hmm. um, trying to kind of uh, persuade other teams from, from thinking that that Jabari Smith is a lock at number one. And so especially a team like, you know, OKC at two or Houston at three. So after this Gavoni mock, strangely enough, instead of it making me think more and be more convinced that Chet 
could potentially be the number one pick to the Magic, it actually kind of makes me think that less so now and and kind of leads me to believe that I think ultimately the Magic will end up choosing Jabari uh, being the safer option and a, a really good fit for really good fit for Orlando and I think somebody who performed well in his draft for his pre-draft workout with them and interviewed well I kind of think Jabari is going to be the guy interesting with all that being said Gavoni still has Jabari mocked at number one mm-hmm. and See. the Thunder mocked or, and and Chet um mocked at number two to OKC so uh it's kind of staying on that that theme though um I don't think eight days out I think it's still going to be Chet at two. I think it's still going to go Jabari and then Chet. Um, I don't have any reason to believe otherwise right now. Um, I think a lot of people start freaking out about the changing uh, odds in Vegas. Um, Our co-host Nick brought up a very good point that odds don't just change because of new intel. It changes based on where the money's going. If everybody's pouring money on one person, they're going to shift the odds kind of towards the other person. So the money balances out. So Vegas can win regardless of what happens. They exactly. want Vegas wants a lot of money on Chet at one and a lot of money at Jabari on one because only one of those guys can get picked first. And whichever one doesn't, Vegas collects all the cash. Well, and like with, I guess at this point, it was like eight, nine days to go when we started to see those updated odds. It's not very good for Vegas and these sports books if Jabari is essentially a lock at number one because they mm-hmm. aren't getting money put, you know, nobody's putting money on that. Um, so it, it's in their best interest for these odds to to even out as well. I think that's exactly. that's a good point. 100%. I couldn't agree more. So, Taylor, at this moment right now, eight days out, you feel like the top three, the order from Orlando to OKC to Houston is going to be Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro? Hey, I don't know. Houston may use that extra first-round pick they got and try and put together an intriguing package to OKC to switch to, to uh Switch two and three. Get them some yeah. chat. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think it's going to Con- confidence one. Chet percentage two, percentage confidence level right now for the top three staying pat as we've thought it will be. Playing the percentages again. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go. I think at this point I'm going to go like. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go pretty high. I'm going to say 55 percent. Oh, Meaning, see, I was going to go higher than that. I was going to go like 65%, 70 Okay. okay. I feel very confident uh, I, that's the way it's going to go. Okay. I don't know. Just thought. I'll get just there. Just a thought. <laughs> um, now let's get into the juicy part of this Gavoni mock. But before we do that, Taylor, we're going to take a quick moment and let our listeners know uh, who's paying the bills this week, who the sponsors are. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man Step Back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. 
So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search the uncontested podcast to get your new Thunder Gear today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back. Taylor, it's time to jump into what I consider the really interesting part of Gavoni's mock here. Um, we're going to kind of go in reverse order here. So his note on the OKC Thunder at 12, for reference, he has mocked Usman Jang to OKC at 12. Really no insights on Usman Jang there and, and ties to the Thunder. He is just making the... drawing the parallels between like the Thunder liking long-rangey, pass-first, uh, high-upside type of guys and how... Usman Jang kind of fits that that mold. So nothing really concrete with a connection between OKC and Usman. The important part, though, is that at the very beginning of his little blurb for OKC at 12, says, quote, the Thunder are said to be aggressively pursuing trade conversations for this pick, seeking to package it with future assets or existing OKC players in order to move into the mid-lottery with players including Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp believed to be among the potential prospects they covet. Now, let's look at what he wrote on pick number four, which is for the Sacramento Kings. It says, quote, Many around the NBA feel that this pick is available for a team looking to swap picks and move up in the draft for Ivey. Detroit, Indiana, and Oklahoma City are among those that could potentially exchange an asset to help the Kings' chances of contending for a playoff spot. With the likes of Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner, and Lou Dort, a few potential options that rival teams point to. Taylor, 
there has been a whole lot of smoke revolving around the Oklahoma City Thunder pick 12 and trade-up scenarios. We've heard it from multiple spots. We've heard it all the way back to the NBA draft combine uh, and when the lottery took place. Starting at that moment, moving forward, that's all we've heard about pick 12. Trade-up, 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 trade-up. People love to say the Thunder do not leak. But eventually, where there's enough smoke, there is fire. Do you believe there is fire around this trading up, like based on how many times you're hearing about it? I absolutely do. And for example, uh, like you, like we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, we even did a fun exercise you put together, Jacob, here about a month ago, where we went through each of the top picks above pick 12 and tried to put together like a blue blueprint trade that Presley could essentially green light, that Presley could put into place and essentially green light at the time of that pick, if the right player fell to that position for him to trade up and get. I think he's absolutely having these conversations and he's being very aggressive about it. So there's other GMs talking about it and talking to other GMs about it and telling league personnel about it. Because I think um, there are some guys at the top of this draft that Presley would love to pair alongside whoever he takes a pick number two. We're assuming it to be Chet. We've also heard, you know, there was the Brian Windhorse comment. I'm not sure that we've uh, talked about it on the podcast or if we just talked about it on the call-in uh, on Monday, but about essentially, you know, he, he's hearing that the Thunder may be, quote-unquote, pushing the pedal down a little more this season. Uh, I think Nick said he's heard from other sources that, that they've heard something similar, right? So all this is kind of coming out around the same time where I think there's guys at the top of this draft that Presti would be willing to trade up for um, if the right opportunity comes. And like, like we've been talking about, he's very, very active in these trade conversations. So it's getting leaked out. Like there's other GMs talking about it, but that's why uh, you said, you know, you mentioned OKC being so tight lipped. That's why we aren't hearing specifics. Like the Thunder are discussing a framework with the Portland tra- Trailblazers at pick number seven. We aren't hearing any of that. We're just hearing that they're trying to be aggressive and trading up. Um, so I find it interesting that one of the, the terms that, uh, Gavoni threw out there was talking about uh, where was it future assets or existing OKC players that leads me to believe that he's heard something of that like, that's not just speculation uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it would appear that it's not just a pick trade to try and move well up. there's players attached to those which makes sense yeah and they're gonna trade either picks or players to trade up like no shit he's not gonna trade a ham sandwich you know, like those are the two things you can trade. So there's nothing yeah, right. really groundbreaking there, you know. But I, I just think if if Presti were not discussing players in these situations, then Gavoni would have been very careful with his wording, just like was just so careful fair. in yeah. his wording and would have just said picks, right? A that's fair. At, um, with, but with, then you like get to some of these specifics of the players involved in that next quote where he's talking about the Kings and the Pacers and the Thunder. And I believe the the phrasing that, that you read off, the likes of Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner, and Lou Dort, a few potential options that rival teams point to. So that's rival team speculating. That's mm-hmm. where the speculation comes in, right? And so I find it, I just find it very interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on these quotes? Are there other players, OKC players you think might be in some of these talks? Uh, and, and how serious do you think Pressy is getting about wanting to potentially trade up? First off, I, I love everybody in the chat on the live stream. You guys are awesome. We greatly, greatly <laughs> appreciate you. Uh, Blaine says, Sacramento <laughs> would take a ham sandwich for four. 
Um, Topher says a good enough sandwich could land you a pick in the twenties. I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, like apparently they are being very aggressive. It takes two to tango. They have to find a partner. They have to find a team that's willing to drop back. They, you know, it, it's hard to predict a trade because so much has to go right for a trade to happen. More likely trades don't happen. It just feels like it's been talked about so much. It's almost an expectation at this point that they make a trade at 12 to move up. Does it not? It absolutely does. And we keep hearing now, I, I mentioned all this kind of coming out around the same time as other comments about, you know, Thunder wanting to push the pedal down a little more this season, et cetera, et cetera. But something else that's kind of risen <laughs> or has become, a, we're hearing a little more frequently now is the Thunder's connection to some of these players. The two that Gavoni mentioned being Jaden Ivey, which we started to hear about here a couple weeks back, uh, the Thunder's potential interest, like you said, around the, the time of the combine. And now Shaden Sharp. Obviously, two names. Twitter. Hey, we've never heard the names Johnny Davis and OKC in the same conversation. We, we haven't heard AJ Griffin and OKC, Ben Matherin and OKC. There are two names and only two names, but obviously besides Chet, that we have heard in reports tied to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp. Is there something to that? I I do think so. Um, no, I understand. Like there's like two there there's a couple of different examples we can use here when we're looking historically on names being linked to OKC in the draft and whether it worked out or not. You have the Poku situation where everybody knew about a week out from the draft that I, I say everybody. I think Kevin O'Connor reported it. There was a couple other uh, national media reports saying the Thunder would like to try and grab Poku at this pick. And then as we got like closer and closer to the draft within that week, they're now going to try and trade up to get Poku because it looks like he could be gone um, prior to them picking in that position. That ended up being true. Um, but then you have the James Booknight smoke, right? From last season, the Thunder locked in a Booknight at six, about a week out of the draft. Ended up being Josh Giddy. So it, it, it's interesting. It's hard to kind of decipher, but you kind of start to put two and two together. You have Gavoni's last mock draft, or sorry, it wasn't a mock draft. It was the OKC perfect draft scenario article he put out this weekend, right? Where he mentioned what we assume came from Sharps Camp, saying that they would love to play for OKC. Um, that that that's at the top of their their list. Uh, they think very highly of the rebuild. Think it'd be a good situation for them, et cetera, et cetera. We made this Shea and the Sharp connection with you know sharing the same AAU coach who essentially is acting like Sharp's agent but isn't officially an agent because he can't get approved by the NBA. Uh, another story for another time, I suppose. But <laughs> all of this is, and, and then we we know that Shay, uh, sorry, Sharp was in OKC for a workout, and then we saw the picture of Jabari. Look, NBA Twitter is NBA Twitter. You you can't take everything you read uh, as a as you know as fact, but there was a tweet apparently that somebody said they saw uh, the thunder in their rest in, in this person's restaurant with sharp and Jabari. So like, I don't know. There seems to be a lot of things coming out with sharp that would lead you to believe some of this is true. And the at thunder least, in a great at least position the to take him. Yeah. At least the interest to take him. Uh, yeah. I think that's really good. Taylor. Um, I don't know. I, there, there is something to it that those two are the names that keep coming up and others don't, you know, uh, th there is definitely something to that. And I, I, I don't know. It just like last year, I think the Thunder were also very aggressive trying to trade up. They just couldn't make it happen. Right. And so I think this year they're going to be very aggressive to trade up. 
it all depends. Can you find a partner? Right. Right. Last year, they wanted to go get Evan Mobley. Well, there was nobody that Cleveland was willing to trade down for or that Detroit was willing to trade down for. If you're trying to get to four, five, six, seven, or eight, wherever, there has to be a guy that the team that you're trading with is okay with trading back and getting. Right. And, and that's just, it's so hard to meet both teams' needs and both teams be happy and sign off on it. Now, that's a good, maybe just kind of add on to that. This is a thought I had when I read his, his last note there about, um, the uh, Detroit, Indiana, and OKC all being linked to that fourth, uh, potentially trading up for that fourth overall pick. Those are all three teams now, Jacob, that have individually, like not in the same rumor like this, they've all been individually been linked to Jaden Ivey. Uh, there's been analysts saying that all three teams highly uh, favor Ivey, would like to trade up for him. This this leads me to believe that all three are kind of competing to try and leapfrog the other in the draft, mm-hmm. and it, which I, I think would lead more... Um, more validity to the report that OKC is in fact interested in Ivy. If they truly are trying to trade above Detroit's fifth pick, right, to get up to number four, and they're competing with the likes of Indiana and Detroit to trade up for that fourth pick with Sacramento, that would lead me to believe that they really do like Jaden Ivy. You know? Yeah. No, I, I'm totally with you. Right? You just, you have to get one spot above the next guy that's going to take him. And right now, that looks like it has to be pick four. Right. But that's where it gets really interesting <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, you, you start to think of like what OKC could offer, what players may be attached to some of those picks. They can so, offer so, the biggest package of like picks. Yes, they can. <laughs> I'm laughing because you said biggest package. <laughs> so, so let's dive into that then, Taylor. What would a possible Thunder trade package to go from pick 12 to pick 4 look like, assuming that Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy are off the table, which I believe they are. Those two are not available in trade. I believe, hell, I believe either one of those could be available in trade for the right price, right? I don't think they're truly untouchable. I think they're close. Oh, careful. You might have Thunder fans coming after you with pitchforks and yeah, I don't think torches. <laughs> no, you're right. Um you can throw out the term untouchable all you want, but like when it comes down to it, if Cleveland came and said, we'll give you Evan Mobley for Josh Giddy, Sam Presti's pulling the trigger and he's not thinking twice. And you can say whatever you want. For Shea as well. Yeah. Like that they might or might not be sourced. They are, are going, there's a price. There's a price for everyone. I think as, as far as trading up to four, Shea and Josh are off the table. Right. I so, would agree. Excluding those two, what does a trade package up to four look like? So, I mean, the the next kind of player you're looking at there, we, we know what the Kings are after. They want to make the play in and essentially make the playoffs after 16 mm-hmm. long, long, long years. Lou Dort is the next most likely candidate to help make that happen because A, um, like we know, he's he's a great defender. He's been in the playoffs before his rookie season, ironically enough. Um, great defender, versatile, has shown promise on the offensive end. And from an age standpoint, he kind of fits this new core that they're trying to build with uh, Davion Mitchell, Fox, and Sabonis. So I think Lou Dort would obviously be the first one 
They might also ask for like a Kenrich Williams uh, there as well, just because he's another rotational piece. He, he's not, he's almost more of a sweetener in this situation, I think, but he is another player that would kind of help you, uh, especially if you're competing against the likes of a Detroit who could throw out a Jeremy Grant in a trade package, right? So I think those two players would probably be included. And then from there, like I said, if you're competing against these other teams like Indiana and Detroit to try and move up to that fourth pick, or yeah, the, up to that fourth pick, you're going to have to outbid them in terms of what we're calling, you know, we've called this the currency and then the NBA for so long, all these draft picks that Sam's accumulated. So I'm kind of curious to pick your brain, Jacob, if we're assuming Lou Dort and Kenrich Williams are in this trade, and you might disagree on that. I'm curious your thoughts there as well, but what picks do you think it would take and how many to be able to essentially outbid these other two teams for this fourth overall pick? Yeah, I, I try to look at this. It's funny. No matter what, no matter what you do, I, I threw out a trade idea on Twitter today. I'm going I'm <laughs> to propose it here as well. I had Thunder fans get my mentions incredibly pissed off. How are you going to trade Lou Dort away? It's like, I, I as I met, said it to one person on Twitter today, like, if you are against this team trading draft picks and trading some young players to take more upside swing on other players in the draft, this probably isn't the right right team to follow. They have 17 Absolutely. picks over the next five years. People are going to get traded. I think Lou, I think Kenrich Williams, I think pick 12. After that, I think you're looking at two to three firsts. Like the Thunder own a Denver first lottery protected next year. I think you could trade that in 2023. Um, they own both a Houston and a Clippers unprotected uh, in 2024. Uh, the, the Houston one is protected one through four. Maybe you have to offer the better of those two. I like that. Do those two, 12, Dort, and Kenrich get you there? Maybe, maybe not. And see, the thing I was saying was like, Thunder fans got pissed off at me today because I mentioned like trading Lou and Kenrich. And then Sacramento fans got pissed off at me because it's not a good enough trade package. Right, exactly. Like a lose-lose situation. I think in a vacuum, it makes sense, right? But like I said, this is where it gets interesting because you're competing against other teams here who are yeah. Let, let's just, trying to trade up. Yeah, let's just say in a vacuum. Is that enough for Sacramento? Because I hesitate. I don't know. If I were the Kings, I look at that and I say, we can already have Lou Dort and Davion Mitchell. Do we want to add him and play Fox, Davion Mitchell, and Dort all on the court at the same time? Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to play Davion Mitchell off the bench as our backup point guard? Maybe. Uh, Kenrich Williams could slide into our rotation very easily. Like Kenrich Williams would be in the eight-man uh, in Sacramento. We could pick up somebody at 12 that can maybe help us. Uh, we get next year's Denver pick and the 2024 Clippers pick. Could we turn around and trade 12 and one of those picks? Let's say 12 and that unprotected Clippers pick to go get Jeremy Grant. And then so the Kings get out of this draft by trading pick four, getting Lou Dort, Kenrich Williams, Jeremy Grant, and one future first. Like, is that enough value? Because in the NBA, typically four quarters doesn't equal a dollar. So I'm with you. If if I'm the side, I, I think that's what this comes down to. If I'm the Sacramento Kings, 
from their perspective, I'm just going to, at, at that point, if that's the best offer on the table from OKC, I'm telling them no thank you, and I'm drafting Jaden Ivey. Regardless of fit, yeah. I'm taking best player available. Or it, if they have Shaden Sharp higher on the board, or maybe they have Key and Murray higher well, on the board, that might be a mistake. But yeah, according to Gavoni, let's look at this real quick. Um, the Kings aren't Ivy's preferred destination, but they <laughs> have proved willing to take players without the benefit of workouts and medical information in the past, doing so recently by selecting Davion Mitchell. Um, let's get down here a little ways. In the event that the Kings like to hold on to this pick and prefer to avoid the drama associated with picking a player against his camp's will, the candidacy of Keegan Murray might be gaining steam with head coach to be Mike Brown. Owner Vivek is also said to be a proponent of selecting Keegan. See, and that's another situation where Detroit has the advantage there because you could trade back with Detroit one spot, get an additional asset, still get Keegan Murray, and Detroit could then jump up to four, leapfrogging both um, the pay. Well, I guess at that point, that doesn't really make sense for them unless you think the Kings are taking Ivy. So you kind of have to play. I was going to say, you know, they're leapfrogging. Yeah, I, I'm, the I'm the Kings. I'm saying I'm taking Ivy. Uh, Ivy's off the board at four. Right. If you want him, come get him. What does a Detroit package look like? I mean, five and Jeremy Grant. Cade Cunningham. Um, <laughs> five and Jeremy Grant seems like too much, does it not? It see it does. That's move up one spot. How bad do you, how bad does uh, does Weaver want Ivy? And that's where it gets interesting, right? Because you have the Weaver Presti connection. And we know that like Weaver, if he knows Sam is high after a guy, I think he's going to be as well. It makes sense that they're interested in similar players. But yeah, like that seems like way too much to trade up to four. Like I think you could get a little more for Jeremy Grant potentially than number four pick, or maybe not. Like it just, <laughs> it really comes down to what they're willing to offer. And on the other side, you have Indiana. I think they're obviously going to be offering um, – well, no, you cannot. They just traded for Sabonis. I was going to say Miles Turner, but that doesn't make any sense. They just yeah, that was the name for that Sabonis. Gavoni floated. Um, right. That makes no sense. Yeah. I, <laughs> so why, it had to be Brogdon? Immediately turn around and repair. Why would you guys. take Brogdon? Why would you trade for Brogdon instead of just selecting Ivy? I, I don't. I, I understand they're very I, different guards. And but Brogdon I'd helps you win more now, but God, that would be bad. Injury prone. Yeah. It just it you doesn't know, make would, a lot of sense. So in this situation, maybe OKC... If unless Detroit says, yeah, we'll do five and and um, and Jeremy Grant for pick four, that might get it done, especially for a short sighted Sacramento Kings front office and ownership. But if they're more forward thinking, I, I think there is a world where they could maybe milk out some more picks from OKC. Presti might be willing to do that, considering he has so many. And that might make a lot of sense because like you said, not only would you be trading back to 12, getting another additional player or another additional asset, you now have all these other assets. and That you can turn around and trade this summer. Exactly. That's how you can truly build a contender rather than just making a, a quick short-sighted move. intelligent enough to do that. And, and that's why I, I really don't know. I mean, we joke about it, but like I'm being dead serious here, Jacob. I really don't know if they are in this situation. Isn't yeah. that like sad? <laughs> I feel bad for Kings fans. I, I saw a Kings fan today tweeted out the picture of that Gavoni mock at four. And they just said, man, as Kings fans, this is just devastating. Like it sucks to read this. Like we are very excited when anything of the thunder is posted in the Intel, because we have a really good front office and a really good general manager. And those and things really good coming ownership. Out typically mean something good is happening for the thunder. 
for the Kings, that would just feel like deflating, would it not? Someone said yeah, it's gonna right. suck. They said it's gonna suck for Kings fans to read this. And somebody said, "Jokes on you, we can't read." It's like, <laughs> man, like you. I really do feel uh, bad for Kings no, fans I, and just how, how bad. That, I mean, the culture is just. We know some of our guys, uh, uh, Brennan or Brennan, yep. who you know just like so invested in the team, incredibly intellectual, uh, knows his his stuff, and yeah, it just that's that's really really uh, really tough. But again, like I I think I'm glad we did this exercise because I think it put to perspective a little more. Like in this situation, there is a world where the Thunder would have the best package, the trade package, to be able to trade uh, up to four, competing against you know Detroit and Indiana, uh, depending on if Weaver's cool with just you know letting basically trading uh jeremy grant for ivy one spot yeah um i mean it'd be grant and five to move to four i right. think oh that's has, a good point too so i, I yeah. think sacramento has to send you something back right um and salary matching and all that yeah that's a good point very very difficult one to kind of cipher out taylor if you had to guess does pick four get moved on draft night yes I think it will. I think the Kings are very active. I mean, the fact that they're this active about listening to offers and there's this much interest, I think they're going to get enough that they're going to be willing to uh, find one that they're comfortable acting on and, and moving off the number four pick. Like you said, like at a certain point, there becomes enough smoke that you have a fire. And mm-hmm. I do think this is one of those situations. And I don't, again, I don't trust the Kings to just stay pat and select Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray. It sucks for the Kings, but yeah, I think I think they stay pat with the pick. I do too. I, I, I think they stay pat. You think they trade it? We'll we'll see what happens. But Taylor, I, I guess the last kind of thing I wanted to talk about tonight before we get out of here, I want to readdress that Thunder trade package that we talked about. Um, I, and I think you just mentioned it here. Um, we have cool. a, a a question. Is it here in the chat? Well. Not so much a, a question specifically to us. Just you mentioned Lou Dort. Is that kind of where we're going with before yes, I put that in our project? Okay, cool. So like you mentioned, uh, I guess just kind of as, as a bit of an introduction to this, you were getting a lot of comments from Thunder fans being very attached to Lou Dort. And for the longtime listeners of this podcast, they are very much aware. There are very few bigger Lou Dort fans than myself. Um, at one point, I think I declared here about a year ago that Lou Dort may be my favorite Thunder player over SGA. So I understand, but we can't act like this guy is Russell Westbrook, right? <laughs> like at a certain, he's not untouchable and it's gotten a little out of control. So I think this uh, kind of all those concerns that you were getting, Jacob, um, and, and they were just kind of being thrown at you and replies and stuff. We saw them all over Twitter and social media. There was a question on Thunder Reddit that I think put it, uh, all those concerns together in a, a really good format and asked the question in a really great way. And so I went to uh, give this person credit read off what they put in Reddit. And I think we can answer it and give our thoughts to help others understand some of those people in your mentions, some of the people in the chat, some of the people listening to the podcast, why we are, are, are throwing Lou Dor even these hypothetical trades. It's not because we hate him or want to see him gone. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought that this person uh, put all those thoughts together in a really good format. So this is a uh, user thumb war wounded on our thunder 
the header is what's the appeal of trading Dort to move up? He says, or she says, I feel like a young lockdown defender and glue guy like Lou is tough to come by and pretty much essential to making deep playoff runs. I think that's fair. We've been watching like Marcus Smart, for example, in the finals, uh, Grant Williams, others. He put up 17 points per game last season to boot. How much more do we really think we can get from guys who haven't logged NBA minutes yet, like a Shaden Sharp or a Jaden Ivey? Yeah, I mean, it's that's the crux of, I think, what a lot of people are upset with. Lou Dort's awesome. He's a lockdown defender. He proved that he can score the ball. Why do you want to trade him away? One person said, why do you want to trade him away for a guard? We already have guards. Lose a guard too. So uh, <laughs> that one, the logic doesn't make sense there. Why do you want to trade him away for, for Shaden Sharp, who we've never seen, or Jaden Ivey, who's never played professional ball? None of these college players have played professional ball before, right? That's point number one. Lou has a ceiling. How much better of a player is Lou Dort going to get than where he is right now? Because I think, I, I I think we tend to get our emotions caught up in in these types of things, right? People are like, oh, I love Lou Dort. We can't trade Lou Dort. He's so good. <laughs> Lou Dort is good, but Taylor, if if we got a Woj tweet tonight that said the Thunder have traded Lou Dort for a 2023 first round pick protected at X. Where do you think X would be? Ooh. That's a tough question. I I, I don't want to, I threw this out on Monday. I don't want it to be like my go-to. I was kind of thinking originally top 12. Maybe it's top 10 though. Probably top 10 might be more likely. 10 to lottery. Fair? 10 to lottery is absolutely fair. I think... If I it don't was a think, lottery protected, I'd be a little disappointed. I don't think a team in next year's draft would say straight up, we will give you pick 10 for Lou Dort, just a straight up trade. Yeah, I, I don't think that I would agree happen. with that. In, in context, 2023, and this is just a good like draft. word speak. I mean, it is there's some really talented players. If the Thunder called Washington right now at pick 10 in this draft and said, we will trade you Lou Dort for pick 10, Right now, I don't think Washington does it. Yeah, that's tough. Maybe I, I don't, but they don't do it. If you yeah. offer Lou Dort straight up at pick nine for the Spurs, they don't I think do they it. They say no. I yeah. If you offer it at eight to New Orleans, maybe, they, but I don't think so. They're gonna they're going to want something additional. They're they're gonna look at it and say, why would we take Lou Dort? who is going to be owed a lot of money next year when we could take Ben Mather. Right. Who we think has a higher upside than Lou Dort. And when we have her Jones is no, on a not a, contract. Yeah, this is not a shot at Lou Dort at all. I think Lou Dort is freaking awesome, and I love Lou Dort. But people have to understand, you have to give up something of value to get something of value. Right. This is just the, this isn't the way basketball works. This is the way the world works. <laughs> right. I can't go down to the car dealership and say, Hey, I've got four tires and a frame. I'll give you that for that Cadillac. Right. The value has to be even and value. A lot of times is based off perspective and perception. People are attached to Lou Dort and I get it. I love Lou Dort. 
I think Lou Dort is relatively close to his ceiling. I think Lou Dort is a great role player on a team that is competing for a title. He could even be a starter on a team that's making like a Western Conference Finals run. But if you have Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp Mm -hmm. graded as a number one or a two guy on a title team, you trade the lesser asset. Right. Right. And to the, the Reddit poster's point, he scored 17 points a game. That's I going to change. That very much. Lou is not going to get the shot attempts that he got last year. How many shot attempts did he get last year? I'm looking oh, at gosh, it's now. a lot. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. When you're bringing in players of the Chet Holmgren caliber, of let's just say the Thunder, even stay pat at pick 12, um, you have Josh Giddy taking a leap. You have Trey Mann hopefully taking a leap. And you have Shea continuing to grow. Those shot attempts are not going to be there unless you're, uh, again, he's getting these shot attempts because you are sitting players like Shea and get even some for valid reasons. I'm not saying it was full on tank. You know, it, there was some valid injury reasons for that, but I think you bring up a really good point. Shot attempts. <laughs> Lou Dort took the third most field goal attempts per game last season for the OKC Thunder. Here's the Behind order. Shea. Shea took 18.8 a game. Oh, Melvin man. Frazier took 16 a game. He only played oh, three games. Okay, so sample size. Gotcha. Lou took 14. The next closest like actual player besides Lou would be Josh Giddy at 12.4. Lou took two more shots a game than Lou did. Or sorry, Lou took t- two more shots a game than, than Josh did. Uh, Lou took five more shots than Darius Baisley did. Lou took double the amount of shots that Alexei Pokashevsky did. You think Lou's getting 14 shots a game when Chet Holmgren and A.J. Griffin or Jeremy Sohan or Johnny Davis or Shaden Sharp is on this team? Not at all. There's no way. He's not going to score 17 points a game next year because his opportunities to score are going to get cut severely. Right. And trust me, I would love to be proven wrong. I would love for for Lou to make an all-star appearance next year. It's just we have to look at this through realistic lens. And the realistic lens tells us Lou Dort is going to be a good defender a guy that I would say hopefully... great defender. I think we need to give him some credit there. I would say great okay. defender. Do you think he ever makes an all-defensive team? No. Maybe he makes I a think second maybe team he in makes his a... career? Yeah. Maybe he makes second team once or twice in his career? If the Thunder are competing like they hope to, and Lou is defending at an extremely high level like we've seen him being capable of, we've seen the hype that he's gathered just on these rebuilding teams. I mm-hmm. think there is a world where if he can stay healthy long enough, and lock in long enough for a season, I think he could make it second team. But to your point, like that's yeah, people that's like to compare him to Marcus hopes. Smart. Marcus <laughs> Smart just won Defensive Player of the Year, best defender in the NBA. Also took him quite a few seasons too. Well, right? that's like, that's true. That's true. I don't like at his peak is Lou Dort like eighty five percent, ninety percent of Marcus Smart. Or maybe he just is Marcus Smart. I mean, it, it, even if we're being generous here. And saying his at the peak, um, Lou Dort is Marcus Smart, smart on both sides of the ball. Like I, I, I just think, I think I have two points here. One I that think you Boston would, would take Jaden Ivey over uh, over Marcus Smart after this season. I do too. 
even as a championship contender. You have Jaden, a, a core of Jaden Ivey, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum moving forward. And this is, again, to the Reddit user's point, like without seeing Jaden Ivey play an NBA basketball game, I think you're still making that decision. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this comes down to, right? It's like, one there are not very many opportunities to be able to take swings on these caliber players on these low rookie scale contracts. OKC is never going to be a free agency destination. I thunder fans, everyone listening to this podcast has heard that rant over and over and over when you have an opportunity to take a potential all-star superstar player and a Jaden Ivy or a Shaden Sharp, you do it. The Thunder got very, very lucky this season and that they had the number two pick and they're going to be able to at that spot. But if you're trading, I mean, I I think you did a great job kind of defining Lou's ceiling, ultimate ceiling, and the role he's going to play in the NBA, which is highly coveted. There's a lot of teams that would want that player on their team, but you trade that 11 times out of 10 to be able to take a swing on a guy like a Jaden Ivey or a Shaden Sharp, especially when you have the luxury of already having the number two overall pick that you're going to be bringing into this team. And every Thunder fan says, and Presti we trust. If you trust Presti, and he has such a high grade on Jaden Ivey or Shane Sharp that he's willing to give up draft capital and Lou Dort to get him, why are you throwing the fit? Yes. Right? That is, like, that. those are two very opposite things. You can't say, I trust Sam Presti, Oh my God, why are you trading Lou Dort? Like, if you trust Preston, you trust his evaluation. He is evaluating that these two guys have such a high ceiling that he is willing to take that risk. Yeah, I agree completely. So, one, uh, one more Lou Dort thought because you, you alluded to it. I think we need to just touch on it to wrap it up. And I have a quick Jaden Ivey thought that I just want to throw out to you, okay. Jacob. Uh, the, the final Lou Dort thought that I have is something you alluded to here a little bit ago when you mentioned his upcoming com- upcoming contract. Not only would you be potentially getting a potential, uh, I keep using potential, a uh, promising up-and-coming player like a Jaden Ivey or a Shaden Sharp on a rookie skill contract. And again, like there's a lot to break down the whole Shaden Sharp situation. But stay with me here, listeners. <laughs> Not only would you be bringing in one of those players on a rookie skill t- contract, but we're also going to have to be paying Lou Dort a lot more money. Um, we'll see. I mean, again, his representation has a great, great relationship. It's Wasserman has a great, great relationship with, um, isn't it Wasserman? Am I mm-hmm. making that up? I, no, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, very good relationship with Sam Presti, uh, either way. Um, so maybe they are willing to, you know, just, uh, take the qualifying offer, be a restricted free agent next off season. Um, and it, with the promise, knowing that Sam Presti is going to sign him to a bigger contract in 2023, but all that to say, like, you have to take some of that into consideration as well. There's a, a salary aspect to this. Yeah, definitely. And Taylor, along that point, right? You're going to owe Lou money. You're probably going to owe it to him in 2023 because I don't think they're extending him this summer. I don't think they're going to waive his last season, let him become a restricted free agent this summer. I think they're just going to kick the can to next year. Next year's when the new CBA kicks in. So you're going to probably owe him more money relative to the cap. But bringing it back to the top where we started this conversation at, the Thunder have 17 first-round picks over the next five years. You have 15 roster spots, okay? Three years from now, you have Shea, 
Josh, pick number two in this draft, pick number 12 or whoever you traded up for. You've still got eight, nine picks left when we're three years out. And you've picked another six players. There's not roster spots for all these guys. So I want to ask you, noted Lou Dort fan, right here, right now, 10 p.m. on June 15th, just due to roster numbers and the turnover of the team and the amount of first-round draft picks that they are bringing in, is Lou Dort on this team in three years? I'm saying no for that reason. Um, and, and not only that, I just want to add a little bit of context to why I would say that right now. Because to your point, Jacob, it's not like the Thunder all of a sudden magically have all their own, all, all these extra picks that are all their own and are all relying on how they perform as a team. Sam Presley has done such a great job hedging his bets where he he's taking gambles on these other teams, right? The Houston Rockets with the pick swaps, the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Clippers with the pick swaps, these uh, first rounders and second rounders of other teams with all these different variables where at least one of those teams, especially in the future, when you're contending again and your own pick isn't going to be nearly as good, one of those picks will be very good. So there is a real world using your hypothetical where we're three years in the future, the Thunder are way better and Chet and Ed, Shea and Giddy are all playing really, really well. Um, And let's say like the Clippers, uh, Paul George is getting old and Kawhi is getting old and they're all banged up. And that's like a really nice lottery pick. Yeah, so, they're so picking the lottery again in three, a deep three draft. Year, yeah, three years from now, the Thunder have Shea. They have Josh is still under contract at that point. Trey Mann is still under contract at that point. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is under contract at that point. You've probably signed and, and extended some of your other guys, maybe a Darius Baisley, maybe an Alexei Pokashevsky, maybe a Lou Dort, um, whoever, right? In 2023, you're bringing in your own first round draft pick, um, a pick from the Denver Nuggets that comes in the second half of the first round. Uh, I don't think the Detroit pick is going to convey. Um, I don't think the Washington pick is going to convey next year. And then in 2024, so this is the second year out, you are you have your own pick. You have a Houston Rockets first round pick. You have a Los Angeles Clippers first round pick. You have a Utah Jazz first round pick. So we're up to six picks now. And then in 2025, you have your own first round pick. You have a Miami protected first round pick. You have a Philadelphia protected first round pick. You tell me you're going to take in (laughs) all of those picks. Not a chance. Keep some of your guys around and Lou Dort's still going to be on this roster. Yeah. Well, that's the other point too. I I don't think so. You don't need, it's not like you can only trade, you use these picks and trades pertaining to the draft. At a certain point, three, four, five years down the road, just like you listed, you're going to be trading for either a disgruntled star or a very, very solid role player. Role player to fill around your young guys. Which might include having to do, or might consist of having to include a salary like a, Lou Dort using this example or another play, Darius Paisley. Yeah. So yeah, no, you bring up very, very good points. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And, and all this to say, like, it lose on the roster in four seasons and is a huge reason why that the Thunder means he's acting awesome. That's right. I'll be fist pumping and cheering. I don't want people, like, bringing up this segment saying, you guys were Lou Dort haters. Like, I would be ecstatic if that were yeah. the case. The, the thing is that 
beauties in the eye of the beholder. Thunder fans think highly of their players because they are attached emotionally to those players. And I think a lot of times it's just human nature. I do this all the time too. Just human nature. Like we have a very hard time removing the <laughs> per, the personal connection that we feel to yeah. these players like for and the lowering listeners. their value. Jacob is in love with Chet Holmgren. He's going to be very disappointed for about five minutes. If the Thunder don't take Chet and which, until he falls in love with the eventual prospect. Yeah, yeah. No, like <laughs> I would be... I, I love wanna, Chet too for Wesley. I, I don't want to out him on the pod, but I'm going to out him on the pod. Okay. <laughs> Nick asked in our in our private chat last night if Golden State called this summer and offered Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody for Shea, would you do it? And I said no. Part of that's because I'm emotionally attached to Shea Gilders. Yeah, right. The other part of that is I don't think James Wiseman's ever going to play basketball <laughs> right? Uh, exactly. or ever be good. Uh, Nick's going to vehemently disagree with me, and that's totally fine. Oh, not going to be good. I, I, I think he will be good, but not Shea Gilders-Alexander. Yeah, I, I would that. say no to that trade. I think Golden State Warriors fans would also say no to that trade. I think fans who aren't a fan of either of those teams would look at it more holistically uh, and be able to make a more balanced and reasoned <sighs> argument. But I'm emotionally attached to Shea. And so I would have a very hard time doing that trade. I think that's how a lot of people feel about Lou. And that's fine. I just, I think a lot of people put Lou in that like top tier, great player bucket. And he's just not that. If you can trade Lou for a guy that you think could be an all-star, you do it. Agree completely. Ten times I out have of 10. Lou Dort right here yeah. on the stream. I have a picture of him. I like the dude. I just, if that's what it costs to move up, that's what it costs to move up. I'm getting blasted here. Um, the listeners, uh, the, the live viewers watching us on YouTube are saying, hey, Taylor keeps saying he's a Lou Dort lover, but Jake was the one with the poster in the background. I have my, I got to move, my Russ poster that fell, but it's there. Uh, but I don't even have a Shea one. You know what? When the Thunder draft Chet, I'll get me a, a Chet one to put right alongside Russ. No, we're going to put it right Speaking of Russ, that reminds me of my Jaden Ivey thought, but very, very quick, and we can end on it, and you can even play outro music for it, whatever. So you you get final thoughts in. (laughs) Okay. Uh, If you get a Chet poster, uh, we are making it his full wingspan, and we're putting it up uh, right over that that door behind you because the wingspan's (laughs) like nearly eight feet long. I love Um, it. I don't know. My parting thought for, for this episode would just be, I think we're going to get a lot more smoke. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff sizzling. Uh, that stuff typically doesn't come out till after the finals anyways. So maybe starting Friday, maybe starting Monday, I think we're going to start to get a lot of stuff kind of bubbling to the surface. I, if the Thunder do trade up, it won't happen until draft night. I love Lou Dort. I just understand in order to get something you have to give something up and the best thing physical tangible thing player the thunder have to give up uh, that they would be willing to trade is Lou Dort. it's hard that's very well said i would tell the fans of this podcast the fans of this team even though it's hard try not to grow too awfully attached to these players because this roster is going to get turned over a lot if i had to bet if you gave me 
my entire salary and said, Jacob, you have to bet this money, which isn't a lot being a public educator in Oklahoma. <laughs> um, I would bet it on only three players on this current roster being on this roster four years from now. Oh, I like that. There's going to be a lot of turnover. A lot of turnover. Okay, Taylor, get your thoughts in as the outro music plays. All right, so speaking of Russell Westbrook, that was considered a reach when Sam Presti took him at pick four way, way, way back in the day. I believe that was 2008, right before the, or when the Thunder came to Oklahoma City. So assuming the Ivy rumors are true, just like bear with me here for a second, let's assume they are true. Why not just take Ivy at two? And with that, Taylor wants to see the world burn. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Ivy, other side of the wall. We appreciate you. Uh, Join us Friday on the Colin app. Also, make sure to plan and join us for our NBA draft live stream. It's going to be a blast. If any news drops between now and then, we will definitely be on with you guys. Hop on Friday, yeah, Friday morning, nine forty-five a.m. As I go live with Matt Penny, we'll talk some draft stuff. It'll be a blast. You guys will definitely want to hear it. We'll be posting that one to the pod stream as well. Until then, you guys have a great evening. Take it easy. We will see you soon. Until then, and as always, thunder up.